CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical perspective, and also what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all, or is it a distortion? Well, we just want to encourage you to give us a call. 88 88 ask CSN is the number to call. We got a couple lines open if you want to be part of the program today. Joining me today, special guest from Rapid City, South Dakota, Calvary Chapel, Greg Blanc. Hi and welcome, Greg. Pastor Mike, what a privilege to be on with you again today and to, uh, just to be able, like we were talking about earlier, just an opportunity to talk about, uh, talk about our best friend Jesus and, and what he has to say in his word. And it, it just seems nuts how, uh, there are, did, did you see, did you see what Elon Musk wore to his Halloween party? Heidi Klum's Halloween party. Did you see a picture no, of that? No. Oh, you ought to Google that. Yeah. He, he, uh, he ordered, um, um, this leather kind of, it's, it's got a, it had a goat on it with an upside down cross. Somebody daily mail reported on it and said that it, uh, uh, it, it, it costs $7,500 online and dig this. This is the title. This is the title of what they, of what they called it. Um, uh, when they put it, uh, w- uh, when they, uh, marked it for sale, it says devil's champion leather armor. That's what Elon Musk wore on, uh, on Halloween. So just something interesting to keep in mind that yes, he's, He's purchased Twitter and he's got some good things going, but, uh, but he's not playing on our team at this point. And you know what the Bible says about end times that we're going to have a, uh, a digital currency. You won't be able to buy or sell without, uh, uh, a mark on the right hand or on the forehead. And, uh, just was it last month? I think it was in September, middle, middle of September at, uh, uh, the White House put out an article at whitehouse.gov. With this title, Technical Possibilities for a U.S. Central Bank Digital Currency. And you read all the way to the bottom of the article and it closes, Mike, it closes with these, with these 12 words. We look forward to continue advancing President Biden's priorities on digital assets. You know what that means? That means if we go digital on everything, that they will be able, they will be able to confiscate everything we have with one computer keystroke, probably based on our, uh, on our ESG score, our environmental, social and, and governance score. So it's getting closer. Pray Amen. Maranatha. Amen. Thomas Jefferson said, uh, he said that he feared banks more than any invading country because through <laughs> inflation, deflation, seizing your assets, they can destroy a country. Isn't it interesting that Joe Biden wants digital currency instead of our dollar? Things that make you go, hmm. Hmm. Something else I heard Joe Biden say over the weekend as he was campaigning in uh, Pennsylvania, that he lowered gas prices lower than when he took office. (laughs) Well, of course, that's a bald-faced lie. 
And uh, we know that they have more than doubled, some places tripled, since he came into office. That's just a matter of fact. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah, I know it. Boy, I'll tell you, how how dumb do they think America really is? Pretty I dumb. don't know. I guess we're, we're going to find out tomorrow. So exciting times we're in. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Ellen on the line. Hi, Ellen. Hi. Wisconsin. Thank you so much. Hi. Yes, how may we help here? I have a concern of something that's happening in my place of employment. I work actually in a medical spa, but we've recently added a um, cosmetic spa to it, and I do all the finance. So they're doing a Black Friday sale at this cosmetic spa, and they're bringing in a tarot card reader. I'm just having a really hard time with how to express my concern to the owners without completely offending them, because, of course, they don't have my viewpoint, but... I just was looking for suggestions or some guidance before I address it. I do want to actually say something. Greg, your thoughts? Well, you know, tarot cards are that are associated with uh, with divination. It's the occult. You know, they're all concerned about the supernatural and uh, well, the occultic supernatural, and they're laying down they're laying down cards and uh, and putting meanings in into it. You know, there's. There's uh you know, from what I remember, the it's been around for like 600 years. I remember one time, this is, uh, oh, I was probably a brand new believer and downtown in Balboa Park, we used to go out witnessing all the time. And there was a tarot card, there was a tarot card reader there. And, uh, and I walked up to, you know, in my cocky two years old in the Lord attitude, I walked up to him and I said, you know what? I believe I can tell your future. And he said, what do you mean? I I can tell you your future of where you will spend eternity if you don't accept Jesus as your ah. Lord and Savior. And and uh, apparently he didn't think it was funny, but but uh, but I thought it was uh, I thought it was hilarious. You know, um, it's not something that anybody should be involved in. It's the same thing as as uh, as Ouija boards. It's a it's a way to open yourself up to uh, to a demonic presence and a demonic hope. You know, we're we're told in in Deuteronomy 18 and Leviticus 18, you know, that, that we're, that we're not to practice any kind of divination. We're not to, we're not to seek, you know, any omens. We're supposed to get our, our directions, uh, from the Lord. Um, you'll remember, I think in, in Acts 16 or so, um, Paul meets a fortune teller, you know, he's a slave when she made her, she made her master a whole, a whole bunch of money, you know, could have been, tarot cards or whatever and and yet uh the apostle paul casts casts it out and gets everybody uh mad at him so for your specific and and ellen i'm sure that you already understand all that you're just looking for some counsel on on how to approach uh your boss and um i would i would just you know it's okay to tell them that that you're not comfortable with it personally you might want to educate them or her a little bit on on the background of all of that and if they still because you're an employee sometimes we have to put up with with what our bosses uh bring in when we're when we're dealing with a secular job um i would just be praying your heart out that that person would get sick or um that uh, that the the lord would just thwart the schemes of the enemy pastor mike 
Yeah, you you just have to understand that you know they're they're in darkness now. In Isaiah forty seven twelve, it says, um, "Stand fast now in your spells and in your many sorceries which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you may cause trembling." He's making fun of them because they are really powerless. Now, going back to your question, dear, what do you do in a situation like that? I believe as long as they don't force you into it, really it's going to be very difficult to do anything to stop it. I believe that you can you can share your viewpoint of it, saying, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, astrology and tarot cards are highly offensive to potential customers uh, that would maybe be coming into the store. So I would maybe ask you to reconsider that because a lot of people I know, if they were knew this was going on, wouldn't come shop here. I think that's the way to handle it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I would just explain that it is highly offensive. And I don't care, <laughs> personally, even in many of the cults, uh, uh, tarot cards and the underworld and witchcraft is very offensive. And so I, I believe if you can explain that to them in simple words that, you know, this isn't just funny, ha ha, you know, pull a rabbit out of my hat, pull a card out of a deck. Hey, you're, you know, you're going to turn into a turnip in six weeks. Uh, I think if you really go and, and explain to them that many people, uh, uh, have had a lot of problems once they get involved in the occult and in the thing. And, and I would just explain to them that tarot cards, astrology falls into the area of the occult. All people are coming here to do is buy some socks or buy some shoes. So why are they being exposed to this? I just think for a business practice, it's probably fairly foolish. And I think if you go with that approach, uh, I think that may be more advantage than saying, you know, you dumb pagans, what's wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, Paul, when he went to Mars Hill, he says, I see you're all very religious people. You have all these statues to all your gods. You have even one here to the unknown God. This is the one I want to tell you about. He didn't say you bunch of pantheistic, you know, goofballs. He didn't do that. He was a bridge builder. And I think if you go in there explaining how it is offensive to many people, uh, it may very well bring some light into the situation. I hope that helps, dear. It does. Thank you so much. Ellen, stay online. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Mark in California. Hi, and welcome. Hi. Um, I was listening to your show last week. You had a lot to say about the Antichrist. I was wondering what you thought about the Pope. Is he a potential candidate for the Antichrist? He's the only man I know that could say that he is God and sit on a throne, and uh, many will believe that. Well, it, it is possible, I suppose. Something you have to always remember, just as we as Christians don't know when the rapture of the church is, neither does the devil. And I believe when the rapture comes, the devil always has a wingman. He's always got somebody in the corner to walk into that position of being the, the world's Messiah. And so, you know, is it the Pope? Is it is it some rich personality around the world? Some, some person? 
whoever it is, he's going to be heralded by the world as the great peacemaker and solve the problems that are affronting man. This goes to Matthew chapter 24, uh, perplexity among nations. Jesus said, when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. But here's the important part of this. Though our redemption has come to pass, we're in heaven with the Lord, the problems of the earth will still be here. And they will be looking for somebody that can negotiate, work these issues out. Now, we do see this current pope very, very much uh, willing, in my view, to compromise Christian principles for the sake of unity. This is a forbidden thing in God's Word. We must never. This is why true Christianity can never be homogenized into the idea of Chrislam or coexist, as the bumper sticker says. Because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter, excuse me, John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me or literally, but through me. Here's the problem. When the Pope says, we're all worshiping the same God, there's just different ways that he becomes real to us or different paths to God. That's a lie. I don't care how powerful an individual is. I don't care how much world status he has. Jesus Christ called that person a liar. He said again in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So Jesus in that verse categorically said all the religions of the world are bogus. Now, whoa, you stop to think about that. You talk to people today, well, who is Jesus? Oh, he was a great teacher. He, he was one of the greats. Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, you know, they're, they're all one of those great uh, religious uh, sort of folk, you know, that love thing, groovy, baby. No, that isn't what Jesus taught. Yeah, he talked about love, but he talked about so much more. And that's what makes Jesus different and why it cannot be combined with other religions. Now, yes, I believe in being a bridge builder, but we can never compromise the innocency of the gospel for the the uh, uh, pagan ideas that are found in foreign religions. Now, what I mean by that is this. There's many paths to God. Who's Jesus Christ? Uh, he was one of the greats. Uh, who, who's Jesus? Uh, I'm Jesus. You're Jesus. We're all Jesuses. Uh, all that. That is what basically coexist is trying to say. But the Bible says that is false. If it was true, then really the first century Christians, the second and third century Christians would have had no problem, you know, coexisting with the pagan religions of the Roman Empire, the Apollos and, and the uh, Saturns and all the, uh, the, the, all these, uh, God Jupiter and all the asterisks, all these things that were out there. But no, it's not mixable. So when we find a pope saying, we're all really worshiping the same God. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is not true in any way, shape, or form. And if he'd spend a few minutes reading his Bible instead of believing he's God on this earth, he would realize what he's saying is a very, very strong uh, and carries a very strong condemnation with it. Your thoughts, Greg? 
Yeah, you know, I know that a lot of people, you know, over the years have, have not just pointed to this pope, but to many previous popes. And and I think that what we can't forget is that the Bible doesn't really describe the Antichrist, you know, the man of sin, the lawless one, doesn't really describe him as a religious man. He's going to be a uh He's, he's, he's going to be a world leader. And that's why, that's why he has the false prophet. And, and, you know, if, uh, if our current Pope, if our current Pope isn't, isn't the coming false prophet, he's sure doing a good job of auditioning for the role because it's going to be somebody, it's going to be somebody like him. He's going to, he's going to blur the lines. Initially, which will bring in, uh, the harlot, uh, the, the system of the, of the great One harlot. Religion. And at some point, at some point, uh, is, biblical Christianity as we know it is going to be what's, what's completely persecuted in this new, uh, um, uh, buffet of beliefs is going to, uh, is going to take precedent. We have to remember that the book of Daniel tells us a lot about the coming Antichrist. In Daniel 11, verse 36, it says that, then the king shall do according to his own will. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god, shall speak blasphemies against the god of gods, and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished for what has been determined shall be done. You know, we often think of uh, of of Revelation 13 being our greatest description which we do, we do get a lot of specific information on the coming Antichrist. But the book of Daniel and the book of Zechariah also, in Daniel 8, uh, verse 23, it says, And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their uh, fullness, a king shall arise, having fierce features, who understands sinister schemes, his power shall be mighty, but not of his own power, so meaning it's going to, his power is legitimately going to be coming from the devil himself. He shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. He shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people through his cunning. He shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule and he shall exalt himself in his heart. Um, and he shall destroy many in their prosperity. And that's, that's basically what's going to lead to him. As we read in second Thessalonians two, that he is going to, uh, 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 make an image of himself and, uh, and uh, oppose and exalt everything that calls himself, uh, uh, calls itself God. And he will demand to be worshiped. And that will happen at the midpoint of the tribulation. So, so no, no offense to the current Pope's, um, um, mental acuities, but the Antichrist is going to be as clever a human being has ever been seen on the planet. And when he is emboldened through the power of the, uh, of the devil, the world is going to be duped completely. Pastor Mike. Yeah. And I, I tell everybody, don't be looking for the Antichrist. Look, be yeah, looking, looking for, for Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. That's <laughs> I think what we really have to concentrate on because we may not truly know. We may, you know, we may have our ideas who we might be as the day gets closer and closer. You'll see some, guy rising to power. Um, uh, I can't say dogmatically that, no, of course, the Pope is not the Antichrist. I, I wouldn't say that. The Bible does talk about the city that sits on seven hills in Revelation, which is Rome. 
So we do know that the Catholic Church is going to be uh, maybe not completely in its current state, but we know that it is going to be a player in the last days for a couple of reasons. One, it's far-reaching influence. Number two, the mass amount of money that the Catholic Church has. Yeah. Uh, they said that they really don't know how many literally billions, trillions of dollars they really have uh, in reserve, but they've got a lot. Um, and of course they've been collecting it for, uh, you know, <laughs> they've been collecting it for 1500 years. So, you know, you, you, I think there's a lot of reasons, but the main one that we, we realize is that it's going to be demonically supercharged. The antichrist is, and that's going to be hard to battle in the flesh. So I believe that again, those in the spirit that try to battle that force, the Bible said it's going to be pretty much futile because um, this is the way it's going to go during that time. Now, until the tribulation comes, I believe we as Christians need to be the most effective, noisy little sunbeams that there are out there to tell people to repent, to live righteously, and tomorrow vote righteously. We want to do things that please God because redeeming the time, the days are evil. Redeeming the time means time that would be ordinarily not so valuable. Redeeming the time means making ordinary time valuable time. Hope that answers it for you. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, you know, again, I think you, I thought he was a great candidate for it because, uh, you know, he sits on a throne and if he, went to Jerusalem and sat on the throne. I don't think many people would be surprised, especially a lot of the Catholics. But uh, no, this is great stuff, and I appreciate your time. Mark, God bless you. I'm glad you called. And uh, stay in line. Send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll enjoy. And uh, we'll go to Gail, Rocky Mountain, Virginia. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I was just wondering, um, what, when, like, all right, what's the, I'm sorry, I don't know how to word this, but what would be the best way to handle like a, situ, a sinful situation in the church if it's a leader? And when would you know if it might be time just to leave that church? Well, I, I think you, first of all, you have to remember that pastors are people and they're capable of the very same things and desires and things that anybody that's going to that church does. And sometimes ministers, just as anyone, fall into sin. So how would you want somebody to talk to you if you were involved in something and really honestly wanting to be let out of the problem? So I really believe that we have to look at how we would do this. Now, I believe, as the Bible says, practicing Matthew 18, of course, going to somebody privately. I think that's always a good way to go. Um, but when it comes to dealing with leadership, I think still we need to go to them and tell them where the offense lies. And then we want to do our best. When we point sin out in somebody's life, be there to help them out of the sin. There's no such part of the body is the finger of accusation. Uh, if we see somebody overtaken in a fault, we want to go to them 
really honestly in love offering our help to get them out of it. To walk up to somebody and say, hey, bro, I see you're shacked up with your girlfriend, man. You're a sinner. Um, that person probably has got a bigger problem with God than the person shacked up. Oh, yeah, that's true. And here's why. Because if you really had the right heart, you'd say, hey, I see you're living with your girlfriend. I know it's hard to make a decision what to do, whether to marry or get out of the relationship. So, bro, come and live with me uh, uh, until you can figure it out. See, that's the Christian heart. We don't see much of that in the church today. We just see the finger of accusation being pointed. Very little love. And, and I've shared this often. Usually you'll find more love in a bar than you will in a church. That's a tragedy. That shouldn't be that way. But you see, even Jesus, when he addresses the first church in Revelation in chapter 2, the church at Ephesus, he says, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Because you see, love is the real key. Love isn't saying, do whatever you want to do, and I'll turn my face the other way. But love says, I see what you're doing is destructive according to the Bible, and I'm here as a brother or a sister to help you get out of your problem. And I really believe that's what you would do to a minister, honestly, to anyone else. Now, if they get into heresy, something like that, then I believe you you have to... Uh, address it. And I would tell a minister why I was leaving the church. In other words, I've been coming here for five years, but you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, telling people that we have to, you know, start keeping the law and what everything that basically the book of Galatians uh, uh, tries to straighten out. Um, then it may be, if he goes, well, I'm not going to change. This is what I believe. Then it's time to go. Your thoughts. Yeah, it's Gail. I, I think that we can sense just from your tone and your voice is this, there's just a little trepidation and you know, you're taking this seriously. So, so I think that's why that's good. I, think, I think it, I think it's good. You're not, you're not being quick. You're not being hasty. You're, you're doing what the Bible says that there's wisdom in a, uh, in a multitude of, uh, of counsel and, and without, without giving any names, um, if it's possible, and I know that we're coming up on a break here, but if you could, you, if you could, if you could uh, just give us a little more, you know, what, what is, what kind of a dispute is it? And, and are you sure that it's a biblical dispute? Would you be able to do that? I know that we're coming up on a break and, and we might yeah, have to hold you over I'm... for that. Yep. Mike, can well, we pick that up on the other Gail, side of the break? Yeah. Think about it. You got a minute or so and, and, um, we are coming up on that break. We don't want anyone to go away. When we come back, we'll have more to every man answer right after this. We'll be right back. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear 
and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. If you'd like to partner with CSN by helping us cover our cost of operation to broadcast God's Word nationally and across the world, please consider making a donation. All donations are tax-deductible, and now CSN is offering a simple automatic monthly subscription. Pick an amount as low as $10 and subscribe. Every month, your donation will automatically happen, and subscriptions can be canceled at any time. Log online to csnradio.com, click the Donate button on the homepage, pick an amount, and then click Subscribe. Together, we can continue to spread the gospel. You're listening to the Christian Satellite Network. We broadcast on hundreds of stations nationwide, including multiple stations in North and South Dakota. You can listen while in Rapid City, Aberdeen, Hermosa, Dickinson, and Williston. Get a full station list or listen anywhere in the world live at csnradio.com. CSN International, where God's Word is heard. Every Man and Answer here on this Monday afternoon with Greg Blanc. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go right back to the phones. We have Gail with us on the line asking a question. How do you address somebody that's overtaken in an issue? Uh, Gail, can you give us a little bit more? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't really say everything, but um, some of it is just doctrinal beliefs and things uh, like... uh, um, maybe teaching like once saved, always saved, no matter what a person does and uh, how they're living, um, you know, not really having to repent again, I guess. But um, anyway. Well, if if you believe, dear, that a person has deviated from the entirety of God's Word, because, again— we're never told to study the Scripture as a smorgasbord at a luncheon. Well, I like those mashed potatoes. Oh, I like that brown gravy, but I don't like the I don't like the vegetables. I'm gonna leave that alone. I don't like them green beans. Well, that's what a lot of people do in the Bible, and unfortunately, any verses that contradict a church's dogma or a pastor's dogma, they avoid like the plague. Doesn't matter what Revelation chapters two and three say. Doesn't matter what the book of Jude says. Doesn't matter what the book of James says. Doesn't matter what Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 24, the last six verses or so. This is the problem that we run into that people teach easy believism. Well, is believing in Jesus easy? Well, of course it is. Except a man becomes a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. 
But they're all, there's an old saying, Jesus loves me just as I am, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. And so God wants you to grow up. And when we see these other verses in the Bible that say that we need to, to walk worthy of our calling, to watch, therefore, and be ready, we don't know what hour our Lord's going to come. Why did Jesus say it if it doesn't mean anything? As a matter of fact, what's the whole book of 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians about? Since party down, it don't make any difference. All this talk about cleaning your life up, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, all these different verses in the Bible, it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And this is one of the great problems. And again, when you read the book of Jude, that last one-chapter book right before Revelation, that's exactly what is it's about. God, having saved an entire group of people out of Egypt, let them die in the wilderness because they refused to believe and go on. So I really look at this as a very important part of our Christianity, is that I want to have where I share the gospel, lead somebody to Christ, I can bring them to church, and I know they're going to get a good, balanced meal from God's Word, not just the pastor's favorite ice cream sundaes. And this is really an important part of line, precept upon precept, line upon line, as the Bible says. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, I was just going to mention, um, number one, again, kudos to you, Gail, for not just running away and hearing one thing and and thinking that you have to go and find another church. I think it's wisdom. Can you, can you tell us, is uh, because I thought you said it was specifically about your youth leader and something that he taught. Is it in line with what your senior pastor or what your church's doctrine is? Um, yeah, kind of. Uh, okay. Kind of okay. similar, yeah. Okay. Well, first thing, it sounds like you're a woman of the word. Just take him what the scriptures say on, you know, it, it, you, you can't, you have to abide in the vine. You have to, you know, a, a follower of Christ is going to follow Christ. Now we may grow, we may grow at different rates, but we're going to have a desire to be conformed to the likeness of the son. And especially if somebody is in ministry, they, sh- you know, they should, before anybody lays hands on them, they should have a lot of those things already worked out in their lives, especially when it comes to doctrine. How long have you been going to this church? Mm, about five years. Okay, okay. So you've heard other things over the years that have pricked your ears a little bit and maybe... Hello! Uh, and, yeah, and maybe uh, Ed said, um, I'm going to... Uh, I, I probably need. To, sounds like there's an, a long overdue conversation, maybe not just with your um, youth pastor, but also with your with your pastor, or maybe you know some of the elders themselves, and and clarify. Make sure maybe they just need to have it brought to their attention that the way that they've been presenting it lately is leaving room for uh, people to misconstrue what they're saying. But I would I would get it clarified. And if they have a different opinion than what the scriptures say, then yeah, it's probably time for you to find a place where where you can be instructed in in uh, in sound doctrine. Don't don't go away mad. Continue to pray for that uh, that group of people, but find a place that you're uh, that you're comfortable. Gail, does that help? Yes, very much. Thank you. I appreciate. Yeah, it. yeah, you're welcome.
Pastor Mike? I think Pastor Mike is still there. If he's not, um, Gail, why don't you stay on the line? We'll make sure that we send you out uh, uh, a couple of books and a couple of DVDs that will help you in uh, in that. And if you have any more questions, feel free to uh, to call us back. So with that, uh, let's go on to uh, let's go on to Ben in Rochester, New York. Ben, you have a question? Yes, Aloha. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. What's your question, Ben? Um, well, I was baptized Catholic recently, and I was going to go to confessional for the first time. But like an angel, the Lord said, no, stop, do not go. And so I'm wondering, what's the difference between 1 Timothy 2.5 and John 20.23? Who is our mediator? Is it Jesus Christ or is it the apostles? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there you go, Mike. Go ahead and take that. Yeah, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. Um, And so, you know, I, I, it, it, where, where is the problem here for you? Because it says in John twenty twenty three, if. You forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So oh, yeah, that's that's talking to you and me. That's the authority of the believer. And I can tell anybody, if you accept Jesus Christ today as your Savior, your sins are forgiven. I can also say if you reject Jesus Christ, your sins remain or are remitted. That is the right of any believer. That is not the Pope. That is not a priest. That's not a pastor. That's talking about anybody that we have that authority to make that declaration. Now, when you stop to think about it, it may seem trite, but it's not. You're telling an individual, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, your sins are forgiven and you will spend your eternity in heaven. But if you reject Jesus Christ, you are going to hell. And that, I believe, is really important. And I believe that's why Jesus gave us this kind of authority to be able to say that. So it isn't that we forgive them. We make the declaration of a God who will forgive or a God that will keep their sins if they don't confess him as Savior. Greg, your thoughts? Yeah, we know from Mark 2 and Luke 5 that God alone, God alone is the only one who can uh, who can forgive sins um what what mike is saying is that on the authority of god's word what is clearly presented in god's word we as believers have the ability to tell people that this is what it takes for a person to be saved from the penalty of their sin if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will you will be saved so you can say that uh, ben, I can say that. Any any believer can say that. It's uh, uh, it gets a little. Uh, 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 you don't want to. Yeah, the nobody can forgive sins but God. You cannot. You, Ben, I, Pastor Mike. No, we cannot forgive sins, but we can declare that sins are forgiven according to the Word of God. So, um, I just yeah, I completely agree Hope with what helps, Pastor ben. Mike just said. Yep. Yeah. It helps. I just got a quick follow-up question. Um, if it's like, who would you suggest I confess to? If it's, I mean, if I confess Jesus. to Jesus, then... <laughs> Jesus alone. 
Yeah, that's why we pray. And First um, uh, John, if we confess well, our nine. sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to understand that we confess our sins to Christ Jesus. Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. Remember, that's what the thief on the cross said. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You just got done telling the other thief, we deserve to be up here. This man has done nothing wrong. So I really believe that this is part of what the great problem is. So I hope that answers it for you. I wish it did. Well, what can what, I, what else? What else can we do to help you with? We we want to help. How else can we because, help you understand that? Okay, because like, I feel like your sins aren't really forgiven until you confess it to someone else. And if you're just confessing it to some sort of imaginary God, like most people believe in, then it's your sins are not forgiven. Well, I agree. If you're confessing to an imaginary, an imaginary God, God, your sins yeah. remain 100% right with that. But we're not talking about an imaginary God. We're talking about the Jesus who died on the cross for you, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go back to 1 John chapter 1 and read it. That's all about what happens if we sin after we're a believer. And and that's really important. But I agree with you. If, if you're just confessing your, your uh, sins to a tree or some thing out there, no, your sins remain. But it's very clear who we confess our sins to. And if we confess our sins to a man, a man can't forgive your sins because your sins weren't against that man necessarily. Now, if you, as an example, here's an important part of this that, Ben, we probably ought to include here. And in a way, you're right. Let's say you uh, broke in your neighbor's car and stole his cell phone and, uh, uh, you know, his DVD player, you know, whatever it might be. And, and then, um, you, you feel bad about it. And so you go over to him and say, Hey, you know, it was me that broke in your car. I, I, I'm really sorry. I, I broke in your car, but, but I'm keeping what you got because you had really cool stuff. So I'm keeping that. Is that really forgiveness? I mean, is that really seeking repentance? No, because there's no, there's no fruits of repentance involved with that. Now, if a person said, well, I had that stuff and I, I sold it at a hawk shop and I'm really sorry. And if you'll forgive me, I'll pay you back. I'll give you $10 a, you know, a week till I get you paid back. That's fruits of repentance. So yeah, if you've wronged someone, go make it right. Jesus said with the person you've wronged. But you'll find most of our sin is against God in our attitude, our thought patterns, what we say, what we do, where we go, all these kinds of things. That's where we have to ask God to forgive us. But the good news is he will. And that's all he asks of us is to forgive us with a heart of repentance. Hope that helps, Ben. Yes, I, I would never sin against God, though. Allah Akbar. Well, that's a good thing. That's what we all should have that That's heart. our desire. Amen. We don't want to sin against God. Say online, I'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really, really enjoy a little book called Time to Grow, which I think you'll really enjoy. I go into that. And then God of Wonders is also really unique because in this DVD, it explains how God made everything and God made us and he has a purpose for us, just like the trees, 
just like just like everything else he's made on this planet. I think you'll really enjoy it. Stay in line, Ben. We'll get you fixed up. Let's go to Carol, Florence, Oregon. Hi, welcome. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I have a question. A, a preacher on the radio, uh, I called in, uh, and uh, he asked me if he could pray for me. And he prayed in the authority of Luto, and he pronounced it like that, really, Luto. And uh, I don't get that. Uh, I don't know any place in the Bible that says that, and I was wondering what you think about that. I don't know what it is. I didn't hear it, but I've never heard of Luto either. Uh, I've heard of Pluto, but never Luto. Your thoughts? <laughs> well, well, uh, Carol, I think I I think that you're asking a good good question here because um, Mike hasn't heard of it. I haven't heard of it. I uh, I just uh, I just Googled the word and uh, uh, the translation in English uh, means balmy or genial or clement or gentle. So it's Maybe it's possible that you miss that you misunderstood him. It sounds like you 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 clearly heard him say say Luto, um, but uh, but maybe call the ministry, you know, maybe call the ministry and just just and clarify. Ask them, yeah, yeah, clarify. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. Clarify, uh, but but I've never heard of it. Never heard of it either, dear. And you know, maybe there was a glitch in the mic. Maybe there was something there. So. Rather than 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 getting tore up over it, maybe just give him another call, call her office and say what did he mean by that? Or they oh, we've been having mic problems and he really meant to say something else. Find out and that'll help, Carol. Find out and call us back. Let us know. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, Carol, stay on line. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy that. And uh, please let us know how it goes. Let's go to Gloria, Tucson, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hi. Uh, I was calling about um, my sister. She believes she's going to heaven. And and I'm sure she has said this in her prayer, but she doesn't believe the Bible is God's word. And it concerns me in these latter days. And I tried to explain to her it was God inspired the writers to write the word, and she just believes it's man that wrote it and how it's been translated over and over and over again, and it can't be God's word. And I I just tried to explain to her, and I'm just concerned, like I said, in these last days, um, you know, it's drawing near, and I, you know, I do want her, to, of course, to see her in heaven, and so I just don't know how else to express it to her, because when she reads the Bible, she says she gets nothing out of it, and it doesn't make any sense to her. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty serious. I mean, if you reject God's Word, you won't know who God is. The Bible says in the last days there'll be many people preaching another Jesus, and so you can believe anything. Now, again, this is a, a, a real serious issue here because, again, um, uh, if if you if you don't believe God's word, 
then you really have nothing to base your life on. So I would ask her, what do you base your life on? I just say, I base my life on what the Bible says. And she says, well, I don't believe the Bible is true. Well, then what are you basing your life on? Because by the nature of your question, you base your life on something. What the words in American Top 40 Radio? Or what the newspapers say? Or what the view says on TV? God help you if you do that. You got to find out where, what's, what's her, what's her bottom line? What's her, what's her, her code she lives by? If you're a Christian, it's God's word. But if you don't believe God's word's true or you believe it was written by a bunch of men, then how are you living your life? What are you basing your life on? And I think that would be a probably a pretty good question. I also think, uh, the video glory that I have called uh, God of Wonders will be really helpful if you can get her to watch that because that will go into a lot of depth of of um, bridge building for her. But your thoughts? Yeah. You know, you said that she prayed a sinner's prayer. And and when you pray a sinner's prayer, when you do it genuinely, you receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness of Jesus, who is the eternal word of God. So uh there's a high probability that she hasn't made a genuine commitment to her. And and, uh, and there's still a veil over her. That's why when she reads the Bible, you know, when, when Mike reads the Bible or I read the Bible or you read the Bible, you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit confirming the truth of God's word and either exhorting you or encouraging you, maybe even convicting you. But what, what I try to do uh, when people don't, believe that the Bible is actually the inspired word of God. We know that, uh, that second Timothy three, you know, tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine reproof, correction and instruction and in righteousness. So the man or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every, for every good work. But for those who don't know the Lord and, and are, are looking for some proof, just just take her to the internal consistency of God's word and and start start with some of the passages of uh that are prophetic in nature like uh like the prophetic nature the prophecy the prediction through Isaiah 700 years before it was fulfilled that that the Messiah Jesus would be born of a virgin. You know, that's prophesied in Isaiah 7, 14, and then it's fulfilled in Matthew 1, 18. And also take her to, uh, to Micah, Micah chapter five, verse two, about the Messiah's birth in Bethlehem and, and the prediction in Micah 5, 2, and then the fulfillment in Matthew 2, 1. And then the triumphal entry, right? Uh, that was supposed to be on a donkey that was prophesied in Zechariah seven, uh, Zechariah nine, nine and fulfilled in, uh, John 12, 12 through, uh, through 15. Um, what else? Uh, crucifixion with the criminals, Isaiah 53, 12 and the fulfillment in Matthew 27, 38. That is, that his hands and his feet would be pierced. That's Psalm 22. Verse 16 and fulfilled in John 19, verses 17 and 18, and the burial of his body among the rich, Isaiah 53, 9, and fulfilled in Matthew uh, 27, 27, 57. So if you couldn't write, if you couldn't write, um, quite, quite that fast, Gloria, um, just go back and listen to this again. You can listen to it on, uh, 
on uh, on either Facebook or on uh, the Tima page itself, and you'll be able to write all those things down and start there. Start there and and just let her know that we can trust the Bible, Pastor Mike. Amen. Hope that uh, hope that answers it for you, and uh, uh, Gloria. Hope that helps. Yes, it's just concerning that she's going to be left behind. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's important, and like I say, I'll send you a couple of books, a couple of DVDs that I believe will really help her. A little book called Time to Grow, which I think will really help. But I, I think if you can go back and ask her, um, what do you base your life on? I base my life on the Bible. You say it's written by a bunch of men, so you're evidently not basing your life upon it. What do you base your life on? Whatever feels good. I mean, I think you need to find out, and that will cause them to begin to think, what is forming my opinions on sin? What's forming my opinions on things acceptable or unacceptable to God? And I I believe this is where a lot of people are at right now. This is why you have people that are Christians that vote with really honestly everything the Bible says God's against. If they would spend some time reading what God will bless what God will 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 um encourage versus what God will destroy a nation over, it's not hard to figure out. And so I, I think that really when we address those issues, that's gonna help her probably more than 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 any other thing because she has to come to some conclusions for her faith. Now you say, but she doesn't have any faith. Well she has a faith in something or nothing or whatever but we need to clarify that so she can see that she's believing in empty feathers here. And I, uh, I'll send those out to you. Okay. okay Could you pray for her you. real quick? Could yeah, let's it be pray. okay? Father, yeah. we come to you in Jesus name. We pray for Gloria's sister that you give Gloria the right words to say to her, Lord, that you would bind Satan from this woman's mind and heart, that she would see the truth of who you are and the truth of your word. And so, God, we come against the powers of darkness in Jesus' name. And Lord, that you would lose your spirit of love, understanding, and peace in this woman's life, the Lord she's never known before, and that she would not see your word as written by a bunch of men, but by that hand of your Holy Spirit that wrote it to help us each and every day that we live in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Gloria, be praying for you. Stay in line. We'll get those out to you, okay? Okay, thank you. All right. Blessings to you, dear. Let's go to mm-hmm. Carol in Texas. Hi, welcome. Yeah, hi. I just really want to say uh, God bless you for what you do. My question is in Revelation 20, verses 4, 5, and 6. I understand four. Five I'm having a problem with. I'm not quite sure what that is. Okay, your thoughts. Um, Verse 5 of Revelation 20 says, But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. And and the dead there is a reference to the unrighteous dead, who we will see, uh, you know, they'll come up a little further on in chapter 20. And they'll be sentenced to the great white throne judgment at the the end of the millennium. I hope that helps as we... uh, Hope that helps. We're out of time. And Siobhan, Bob, Gloria, call back. 
tomorrow, and uh, we'll put you on very first thing. No waiting, I promise. Thanks, Greg, for being on. Look forward to being back with you. you. And so until then, may the Lord keep you in his love. God bless you. Have a good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 